Involvement in meaningful work has been reported to keep employees engaged and protect against burnout, but in recent years, an increase in administrative tasks has resulted in less time for the activity that clinicians find most meaningful, which is interacting with patients. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Melinda Ashton, Executive Vice President and Chief Quality Officer at Hawaii Pacific Health. Dr. Ashton has written a perspective article about her health system's effort to eliminate unnecessary administrative tasks for clinicians. In other words, to get rid of stupid stuff. Dr. Ashton, can you tell us a bit about the origins of your Getting Rid of Stupid Stuff program? Why was it thought to be necessary and what are its goals? Thank you for asking. We, like everyone, have had an electronic health record now for some time. And I believe that the amount of documentation that is required is a lot. But we've also added other documentation that just seemed like a good idea to someone along the way. Things that are helpful in reporting or helpful in monitoring behavior or helpful in some other way. And I began to worry that we had added more than was required and more than really was tolerable. And I was reading the literature as well and finding that this whole idea of kind of the frustration of why do I bother was creeping in as something that was important. And then I had an experience where one of the nurses that works with me leading an evidence-based practice team that was interested in the value of hourly rounding for nurses, something that we had promoted years before. And when hourly rounding was started, it was to make sure that a patient was checked on every hour while they were in the hospital, at least every hour. And the idea was that a manager of those nurses would check in on the patient or check in on the nurses and just make sure that that activity was happening. It became burdensome for the managers, and so they inserted the ability to check on that by having the nurses document that they were rounding hourly. And this evidence-based practice team was interested in the value of that practice, and they actually interviewed some of our nurses and asked them about the documentation that they did around this hourly rounding task. And what we found was that the documentation that they were doing was meaningless to them. They were clicking boxes. They had no idea what the boxes really referred to. And it simply seemed that we'd added this, why do I bother kind of task to nurses. And so it began my conversation with our executive team about there's some stupid stuff that we're asking people to do that we need to stop. So what kinds of responses did you get from various parts of your health system when you launched this program? At first, the executive team was very supportive of the idea, but they weren't really sure we wanted to call it stupid stuff. That seemed a little bit over the edge for them. And so, in fact, we set up a system goal for the year, but we didn't call it stupid stuff. We called it, I don't know, administrative simplification or something like that. But they understood my need to go out and talk to the rank and file around our organization of four hospitals that really we were going to call it stupid stuff. And that seemed to strike a nerve, actually. People really got on board with the idea that we were willing to acknowledge that some of the things that we thought were really useful to do in the past, years ago when we did it, now we were willing to say, maybe that wasn't so smart. Maybe we do need to rethink that. And I think it was our ability to do that that allowed a lot of the frontline staff to get engaged with the idea that they were now being asked to speak up about things that they thought were kind of dumb. And I think that has made the program work better than it might have if we had left it in kind of administrative simplification kind of language. So you say in your article that you received nominations, which is those suggestions from the staff, to remove administrative tasks in three categories. Documentation that was never meant to occur, documentation that was needed but could be done more effectively, 
and documentation that was required, but for which the clinicians didn't understand either the requirement or the tools. So have any of those nominations been surprising to you? Yes, actually, we have had a few that I still sort of shake my head at. A couple examples where as we were building the electronic record system, we had intended to put in age restrictions for documentation requirements. So one example, newborns have an umbilical cord for a week or two or three after birth, and that cord requires care if that baby's in the hospital. And so there was a documentation row for cord care. Unfortunately, the age suppression was not implemented as expected. And so 10 years after the electronic health record was designed, one of the nurses on one of our adolescent units asked if we could please remove cord care from her documentation requirements, daily documentation requirements that she'd been doing for 10 years on kids who were 5, 10, 18 years old that obviously had no umbilical cord to be cared for. That was surprising to me. This came from a nurse who was highly engaged, always willing to speak up for her patients as an advocate but hadn't ever said anything about that frustration. You say, in fact, in your article that you received more of these suggestions from nurses than from physicians. Have there been any other noticeable patterns in the kinds of clinicians who've been most engaged? Well, we have more nurses than anyone else in terms of our clinicians, and so I guess it's not surprising that we've had more nursing nominations, but respiratory therapists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, all kinds of folks, pharmacists, have all sent in suggestions. And sometimes they're suggestions that they've seen other people struggle with, not necessarily their own. The physician sort of silence, and it's not complete silence, but relative silence was interesting to us because we know that physicians are really burdened by this documentation frustration. And I've been thinking about it a lot. And I think that because most of the physician documentation is note-based, I think we have a different approach that we need to take. And so I've started to think that we really should be asking the physician recipients of notes rather than the physician originators of notes. And I've been talking to some of our primary care docs about this because, as an example, I recently talked to our entire leadership group about a 10-page fax that I received in my pediatric office from a specialist. And I'm on the same electronic system that the specialist is on, And I shouldn't have received a fax at all. I should have been able to just see that in the documentation in the system. But it turns out that the originating physician gets to designate the receiving physician's mode of receipt, which is kind of odd. And so I pointed out that I thought that was maybe one of these things that needs to go on the stupid list and we need to start fixing that because a 10-page fax in my office was not very helpful. So you say in your article that the Stupid Stuff program has now extended beyond removing unnecessary documentation from the electronic health record. Where else in your system have you been finding work that's unnecessary and that should be retired? Well, our CEO actually has been fairly public about something that he discovered. He has had a longtime administrative assistant who has worked with him now for a lot of years. And when he first joined the system, he was leading one of our hospitals that was in financial trouble at the time, and he was having her help him monitor very closely daily census and other sort of data that were useful to him to know exactly how things were going. He noticed last year, I think it was, as we were starting to talk about stupid stuff, that he kind of looked over her shoulder and she's working on a spreadsheet, and he asked, what was it? And it was the same spreadsheet that she had started more than 10 years ago, and he hadn't looked at it in years. And so she was very faithfully doing a daily task that was really pretty stupid. Useful at the time, but no longer useful. And so he's used that example widely to encourage all of the other 
leaders in the organization to look around them and see if there's something like that in their part of the organization as well. And we believe that there are things, maybe not exactly like that, but similar to that, just meaningless tasks that are being done more out of historical perspective than anything else. Have leaders of other hospital systems reached out to you for advice on how to reduce their documentation burden? Are there lessons that others can learn from what you're doing? I think there are lessons. I've talked to some other folks. I've discussed this in a couple of other venues, and people are interested. I've had physician leaders come up to me and say, oh, we need to do this at our place. I think there's nothing really sort of repeatable in terms of probably what is stupid at your organization versus mine, but I think the invitation to frontline folks to to raise their hand and say, I'd like to fix this. I think this is something we don't need to do anymore. I think that's certainly replicable. Finally, what are the next steps for your program? It's now a year old. How are you planning to keep employees engaged and continue to foster the sense of meaning at work? We've got a number of things that have kind of sprouted out of this, actually. We have a large leadership meeting every October, so just a few weeks ago, and I presented how we were doing on this and sort of re-energized and talked about this need to think about physician burden differently. And so we're going to embark on that. We have some EHR optimization teams that go out to physician offices and will, I think, task them to inquire of physicians, not what do you think that you do is stupid, but what do you receive that seems to be kind of stupid, you know? And I think we can get maybe a better handle on the physician side that way. We've begun to work on nursing communication differently, and it came out of some of these tasks that we uncovered in the nursing world that were not standardized, that were frustrating. And so we've actually now embarked on training all of our nurses in a handoff technique called IPASS, which I think has been reported in your journal in the past. And so we're using our electronic health record to help standardize that, and we're training all of our nurses and getting really positive responses on that at the moment. One of my long-term frustrations has been nursing care plans. And although we need to have plans of care for our patients, the way we've done nursing care plans since we started has been frustrating and difficult, as well as nursing documentation. So all of those things are on our roadmap now to be tackled as sort of the next iteration of this. Thank you, Dr. Ashton.